0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and Minnie! Minnie. How are you this morning, Minnie?
1: I'm well. Oh, you know though, I, I went swimming yesterday with my brother Marky and oh, you know when in the ocean. Eyes- Oh I wish. Oh you we chlorine. And it's been years and you know when you just kind of forget that chlorine makes your eyes horrendously dry? And I just I'm fully the kid who still swims more than my eyes open. I'm like, Oh, that's not ideal. and I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh, still so dry <laughs> But I'm good, I'm good.
0: You yeah, see, I don't open my eyes underwater in a chlorine pool.
1: Well, I just I know some people do, but I can't swim straight. I'm like a bit of a gumby swimmer because I haven't done it for years. I just forget, and then there was someone else in the lane, and I fully ran into her once. So I was like, "No, nah, okay, I, I have to keep my eyes open. We can't be having this." Yeah, she's yeah. I was like, "I so need saw her eyes this morning." Yeah, I'm okay now, but when I first woke up, I think too, because you know when you're it's hard anyway. Sometimes in the morning, and then just because my eyes were really dry, I was like, "Oh dear." <laughs> but it was fun. It was super fun.
0: And uh, heated pool or not heated pool?
1: Yeah, he did. We went to Toronto. Yeah,
0: nice. Yeah, down the road. Yeah, yeah. I was say, it's a little bit brisk at this time of year for swimming, but. And pools at this time of year get so cold because so last, cold. you know, the last few years we had a swimming pool and it was so cold. It mm. would just get so cold at this time of year. And I, last year, was it last year or the year before? The year before, I swam in it every month, yes. right through winter. And whoo, It was brisk, and then I went swimming in the ocean in August, and it was so warm compared to my pool. So
1: not as bad. Hey, the ocean is always, but look,
0: the ocean is stable,
1: always better. So how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, I'm. I am. Yeah, I am here. (laughs) Always ideal. We're (laughs) glad you are. (laughs) This is brilliant.
0: (laughs) No, I am blessed this morning. Mm. I am blessed. Mm. Uh, Let me think. I'm think of something I'm blessed for. I'm blessed for lots of things. While I'm thinking of that, is your thankful this morning at uh, the swimming pool? Yes. Okay, I'm blessed for... Okay, so here's what I'm thankful for. Yesterday I did something I've never, ever done before. Ooh. I taught at university.
1: Oh, well done. So I've you. taught at college
0: before, but I've never taught at university oh. before. Because <laughs> last year Avondar was a college, now it's university. College. Mm. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith
1: FM. Positively different. Yes. Now what's coming
0: up as far as positively different news?
1: Well, um, let me just find it. Actually, you know how a couple of days ago we were talking about the large blue butterflies which were extinct but now have been found? Yes. Well, not extinct, but some stories have come up that in the last couple of years, global wildlife conservations... Uh, basically, a couple of years ago, they made a list, which was with about 25 species, um, which they wanted to find, which were lost. So not extinct. They were just like, ah. Uh, we like, haven't
0: seen these for a while. Yeah, it's been a while. We um, think they might be extinct.
1: Yeah, we'd like to find them. You know, So a list there? of
0: 25.
1: 25. But in the last two years only, they have found five of them, which in some ways you're like, ah, oh, that's not much. But actually, you have to go searching for a lot of these. Like you have to commit. Yeah, this is
0: super <laughs> rare stuff. So that, does that mean – how long does a thing have to be disappeared for before it becomes declared extinct? Mm,
1: There's A lot of these on my list aren't super long, but in the context of how quickly our societies are changing um, and we are kind of losing a lot, I don't know. So basically a couple of these um, creatures. There was the Jackson climbing salamander. That was last seen in 1975. So that's... That's decent. Yeah, like it's...
0: I would declare it extinct.
1: No. But apparently there are few enough of them that they're worried. And so they're like, we just need to know. But
0: wait, wait, wait. It was last seen in 75? Mm. And what have they just been finding, like, uh, like evidence that it's around? Like yeah, well, so they... DNA they, floating around? Like, oh, it must be here somewhere?
1: They actually wanted to go. They had planned a trip to go to Guatemala... Because I guess that's somewhere that they knew that it might be. Um, and then they found it completely by accident before they'd even gone. Um, the guy...
0: Ah, so maybe it's something that nobody's been looking for.
1: Yes, yes, which is also true. It could it's be pretty that. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And so then they found that completely by accident um, months before they were going to go, um, which I just think is quite exciting. I'm like, oh, I'll go you guys because it's not a massive animal. I would like... love
0: to find that an extinct animal. No,
1: It'd be so Alive. good. Alive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> You know what I love, this is a bit of a side tangent, but what I love about people who go looking for stuff like this is they're passionate about it, even if no one else is. For them, it's like something has caught their attention. They're curious. They have that sense of wonder and respect. They're like, "We're gonna." But I, I do imagine, I wonder how some of the conversations are with all their friends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, we know.
0: Giant the salamanders, <laughs> climb, tree-climbing salamanders. We've heard about these before. Or large blue butterflies
1: mm-hmm. that um, need to be renamed. And then one I thought was I hadn't even heard of it is, this one.
0: It is kind of the same name as the large blue butterfly. It is. The giant
1: <laughs> tree-climbing
0: salamander. It is not creative. Um, they're
1: not creative, creative. at all. <laughs> it's just like <laughs>
0: there's a giant salamander climbing a tree. Oh, we'll call it a giant tree-climbing salamander. <laughs> oh, there's a butterfly. It's large and blue. We'll call it a, a large, large blue, blue. butterfly. It's <laughs> exactly like, come on, guys, come up with something better than that. <laughs>
1: You'd think in the excitement, I'd be like, ooh. But no, no. Um, But I did find this interesting. I'd never even heard of this. The Somali So I don't know. But that was last seen in 1968, so that's going back a few more years.
0: What kind of critter is that?
1: Well, in design, scientists connect it to elephants and manatee or something, except I don't know. There's a
0: connection between elephants and manatee? I know. I was
1: like, that doesn't even make sense to me. But this thing is tiny. Like, this is, like, a real small critter. But then it also has, like, a trunk, like an anteater. So, anyway, I don't like know. Like an anteater
0: the- or like an elephant? It's connected well, to an elephant. this so. is the
1: thing. I'm just like, I don't understand your explanations at all.
0: <laughs> I'm super interested in this. Can you imagine if there were, like, miniature elephants that, you know, were, like, maybe 300 millimetres tall?
1: imagine how cool that would be. When
0: they're fully grown.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Look, I looked at the picture and I was like, mm, I'm not. I'm not seeing the resemblance. But, um, yeah, apparently it's something to do with its trunk and apparently there are just some things in the way it's designed. I don't know. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of cool. And um, for this one, they used local knowledge of the people, which name I cannot pronounce. It's an African name with syllables Many and letters sounds in it. Yeah, and I was like, I many, don't many know letters. how to put that together. Anyway, and so the way that they found that was by using a trap filled with coconut, peanut butter, and yeast.
0: Oh, there you go. I was like,
1: that's an interesting combination.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, and what was my other one? Oh, and then. Lots, the, lots
0: of things like peanut butter.
1: Yeah, I didn't know. Apparently, mice don't like cheese. They like peanut butter more. They do. I didn't know that.
0: Absolutely. That's why I set my mouse trap with peanut butter.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Snap. Gone. Done.
1: Oh, poor mouse. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's all good. It's all good. My mum, when she used to catch mice, I would be like, you're the one who murdered this. You can deal with your consequences of your actions. <laughs> she was like, but you don't want it in the house. I was like, yeah, but you're the one who killed it. <laughs> No, no, I'm not like that now. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there's there's a couple more um, on that list, but I just think it's awesome that these guys have been like, where can he go? Imagine just going on an adventure and how excited you'd be even if no one else is. I love that. I love that um, these small things matter to people because yes. I think we all have things. Absolutely this might matter to me more than it matters to you and you have something that something matters to you more than it matters to me. But,
0: And that's what makes the world a good place because mm. you kind of have someone out there that cares about pretty much everything that's, you know, mm-hmm. someone for everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, All right, what else have we got?
1: So Octavius, known as Tay, Nelson, grew up washing dishes um, in restaurants where his dad was a cook and he remembers his like the joy that people had by eating his dad's food His dad recently passed away and he was like, man, I want to honor his memory. I'm going to learn to cook. And I was like, look, go you. And he has just watched numerous YouTube tutorials on like, how can I cook the same thing in different ways? But what I love is that he's, well, look, I mean, I guess it's a bit of a shame that he couldn't learn from his dad. Um, I remember my pop side when I was like in grade eight, and he was the biggest woodworker. And it's that thing you're like, oh, he's got all these skills, I'll just go hang out with his woodworking shed with him. But then once he's not there, you're like, oh, I could have learned so many things.
0: <laughs> so this guy's gone to YouTubeversity.
1: Yeah, that's okay, I the Come up one. with a new word
0: here. Utiversity. I think we've invented a new word. Hopefully new it will word. stick. I don't think it will. But um, it's amazing what you can learn off YouTube these mm-hmm. days. I get a question about something that's like, ooh, let me Google this let me. on YouTube. <laughs> let me YouTube this and there'll be a tutorial on it somewhere.
1: Mm. But what I love so much about this is like, yes, he wants to honour his father's memory and you know, just the joy that that brings, but also that for him so much of that is in the sharing. That it's not just, I'm going to do this is for me to remember my dad. He's like, you know what people remember of my dad is they remember his personality. They remember, like, the joy. They remember, like, you know, the family vibe. And I was like, hey, go you. Because that's why I started learning to cook. Because I was like, man, I'll just eat nothing for me. Like, I'll eat broccoli or toast. I don't care. But I want to cook for other people. It's just a totally different dynamic.
0: That's Food fantastic. is a love language. It is a love language and it is a language that, you know, Jesus talks about. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens, I will come in and we'll eat with him because yeah. he is illustrating the very close personal relationship he wants to have with us. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so we've got Brendan Lowe here in the studio this morning and Brenton was here, I think it was last Friday, was it?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yep, and uh, we were so interested in what Brenton had to say that we invited him I invited him back again this week. Uh, Brenton is a literature evangelist. He's in charge of literature evangelism for what, the South Pacific?
2: Australia, New Zealand. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah,
0: Australia, New Zealand, which is a big chunk of territory. So you've got quite a team that is working under you. Literature evangelism is, I guess, a ministry in which you minister to people and reach out to people through literature. Brendan,
2: how did you get started in literature evangelism? Well, I think I mentioned um, last time I was here that I grew up reading the Bible stories and how they impacted my faith at an early age, and you know that just those stories of faith really ground you, and and I feel that helped me through the teen years because when I come to the teen years, they are pretty rocky as as many many of us have experienced, and you try and discover you know who you are and that sort of thing, but then I lost my brother. He died mm. uh, at the age of fifteen. Oh, that's awful. and I went Sorry. through a number of crises through life, and you know we all have them, but you know they're all different. Anyway, I got to the, the late teens and and maybe early twenties, so that was a good twenty years ago, and and I was on this uh, crossroads. It's like you know where am I going in life? Um, I had this emptiness. I, I knew about God. I knew had this head knowledge, but like there was a disconnect. You know, I I read the Bible. But I never really spent time, you know, in just absorbing it. And so I challenged God. I said, look, God, I really want to know you better. And so I began reading my Bible half an hour each day. I thought that I should do something about it. (laughs) So that was my part. And so I began reading half an hour each day, just in the Gospels, just slowly reading and praying over it. And you know what? God got me. He changed my life. Praise God. You know, instead of, it went from a head knowledge to a, a heartfelt experience and I could see God's great love for me, how my God died for me. My God died for me and for us.
0: And that's a great challenge right there, I think, if there's somebody out there listening today. If you're listening today and you've never really had an experience with God. Just give it a try. The Bible says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good." Spend half an hour every day reading your Bible and commit yourself that to, you know, several months, whatever, and see if it doesn't change your life. Mm, yeah. It has a powerful impact on every person I have ever come across who has, um, who has actually done that.
2: Yeah, and so when you go from being empty to full. You know, you, you've got to share it with someone. You know, it's just like when you have that newborn baby, you've got to, got to show your baby off to everyone. <laughs> and, and so that's what I just want to do. I had to share it. But, you know, I, I grew up on a farm and, and I worked on a farm. And it was like well, I knew how to talk to sheep and dogs, but I didn't see too many people, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we went into in town every fortnight. That's our, our, you know, our existence. How far away was town? It was about an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Mm. So, you know, not that far, but in those days, in those days we didn't often go into town. We'd just work. Sure. So anyway, I began praying about it, and I was going around and around on the tractor one day, and and I was struggling with this, and and then this thought came into my mind. I was like, hey, look, you know, all this is going to burn one day. I want you to plant gospel seeds, seeds for my kingdom, Mm. um, and to help people and so the short of it really is is that god led me into literature ministry which which is a great ministry in that we can be a friend like you like jesus at the well we can understand people's needs and connect it to the spiritual needs and um we just be a friend and share literature that speaks hope into their life
1: how old were you around that time I would have been uh, nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah, right. So still like pretty young. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: And this was in Western Australia, down near uh... Esperance. Esperance, that's yeah. right, Esperance, Western yeah. Australia.
1: And I think as a young
2: person, it can be a challenge to share your faith. Mm. And so for me, it's just an amazing way to do that.
0: That's fantastic. So how many years have you done literature evangelism for?
2: Just
1: over twenty.
0: There you go. Yeah, show my age now.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you okay, so
0: we're going to do some calculations here. We'll get this figured out. Um,
1: I was going to say, when because it sounds like you're a little bit away from town, did you have friends or family who kind of were also on board with this journey with you or did it feel a little bit like isolated? Like, I just had this awesome like experience with God, like need to share, but people are kind of not as excited as I am. Like how was that part of that experience? Or was it just not even into your I think I think it
2: grew. I'm not mm. sure if I really... Uh, you know, once I discovered what I wanted to do and what God wanted me to do, once I discovered that purpose, um, my family supported me in it. Mm. And, and I think that was important. But, yeah, I think you, that renewed experience, that, you know, that heart change is, is so often a quiet thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's amazing. So you've spent 20 years doing literature evangelism. You must just have a host of stories that have built up over that time of, you know, divine appointments. I know I did literature evangelism for a couple of years and, you know, there is there is nothing like, you know, when a bunch of literature evangelists get together and start swapping stories of what God is doing because you are really <laughs> right out there at the coalface where you see God's hand at work.
2: That's true. How long you got?
0: Well, let's see. We have seven minutes and 44 <laughs> seconds. How many stories
2: can you squeeze in in that much time? Look, I'll share one with you. Sure. Okay. Um, look, this is an amazing story. And and a friend of mine um, from Western Australia, before I moved here, I'd only been here for about uh, 12, 18 months, and and he said, look, he, he come up to me at camp and he says, I've got an amazing story. I've got to share this with you. And I says, oh, okay, that's good. And I, I got busy and I never really got back to him and eventually – I saw him, I said, oh, what's the story? And he says, look, you've got to hear this. He said, this lady, she'd never been to church before, walked in the church with her daughter. And I said, wow, well, that's interesting. How'd that happen? He says, well, um, she's, she's written it in a diary. And so when I was in the um, area next, I popped her in and I'd say hello. And she gave me her diary to share. And, and she, tells, oh, oh, she tells how she was an addict, a quiet addict for 30 years.
0: That's a long time. It is. That's a very, very bedded in addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rusted on addiction.
2: Yeah. And she says, look, um, I just began withdrawing from people. And she was at this point in her life um, where she was just in deep, deep despair. Um, and she 'd withdrawn she wasn 't talking to her friends and 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 that 's the thing she was alone, she was quiet, she was hurting and and then one day she was she was scratching scratchy and hoping to win some money to change her life <laughs> and and she she was scratching on the back of this book she 'd bought a few books from me yeah. um that 'd been opened, but this one hadn 't it was still in the wrapper and she was scratching it she didn 't win anything. But then she looked down at the book and something caught her attention about, you know, how God can help. Okay,
0: so she had a scratchy and she was using the book just kind of like as a as a, I guess a, a mobile desktop in on which right. to, to to scratch against that's right yeah so she, she's using resting it up against the hard cover of the book that's right okay that's cuz really i'm thinking hard cover. I, I was thinking there for a moment <laughs> she's scratching on the back of the book i don't remember the Ellie's selling books with scratches on them no but that's she's true. using she's using it as a uh, as as a hard a hard a hard, uh, yeah. a hard background to scratch but on.
2: you know what she won something more than that mm. and she tells here let let me just share share her story in her words i think it's powerful and she says, hey, look, um, she used to push away anyone um, who talked to her about religion. She tried, dabbled in a few different things, like Wiccan and that sort of thing. Um, but if people want to talk to her about God, she pushed them away. And, and then she says, um, I don't know what made me open that book, but I'm a firm believer that God did not exist. Um, and, and I push everyone away. As I read, I could feel a change. My heart started jolting and tears filled my eyes. My heart was crying because it felt and heard the truth for the first time. By the time I'd finished the second chapter, it was like a wave thundering over me, a tide of emotion and a love that I never felt before. God was with me right then and asked me to accept him. Without hesitation, my heart leaping with joy and relief and love, screamed yes.
1: Wow.
0: That's amazing.
2: She had tried to find love in all the wrong places, she says. Mm -hmm. But here through this the message of a book, at the right time, Mm. God could speak hope and love into life and transform her life. She goes on to say that being an addict for 30 years, she never felt a single craving when she put it away.
1: Wow.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing story. How long? were those books in her home before she actually opened them? Three a, years. Three years. <gasps> wow. That's See, this is one of the things that I think that you know, we kind of miss when it comes to literature evangelism is we expect, oh, you're a literature evangelist. That means that you're something like a public evangelist. A public evangelist goes and done, does a program and four weeks later has a bunch of baptisms. Literature evangelism doesn't really work like that, does it?
2: <laughs> no, it's a seed-sowing business or ministry, I should say. Um, it's just planting gospel seeds, and it's the Holy Spirit that waters. And, and you know, that might be quickly, like we see some, but then others, tell, you know, it's just like my life. God never gave up on me. Mm. He keeps, you know, he keeps gradually working on lies, speaking his love into our life until the right time.
0: And this is one of the one of the great values that I see in books, when a book goes into a home you never particularly a quality book like what you're selling in you know, a hardcovers and so forth when it goes into a home you never you never know where it's going to end up you never know what impact it's going to have mm. and you never know when that impact is going to hit we produce a lot of digital media which is good and it goes out there and it does its thing but you know if you hand somebody a usb stick mm. it's lost within a day you know, or a week or passed on to somebody else or whatever else. And so digital media can be quite limiting. Whereas, you know, books have been around for what, like the last 6,000 years. Um, They're never going away anytime soon. The batteries on them never go flat. They are always there and there is always an opportunity for someone to pick one up and to just simply start reading.
1: Yeah,
2: that's right.
0: we got time for another story. You got any more uh, stories up your sleeve there?
2: Uh, Look, I'd probably like to, before I do, just to make sure we don't run out of time. Yes, that's a good point. point. I'd like to share a little bit of um, how people, you know, if your heart is burning to share your faith, um, then how can you do that? Mm. And look, there is literature evangelism where self-employed LEs or independent book distributors um, distribute literature. And I was one of them for 20 years. Um, And they're hardcover books that, that could continue to speak. Look, I've seen so many times where where um, they'll be passed on from generation to generation. Yes. You know, the Bible story books, I'll see them in their home and it, that was sold to their great their grandmother, you know, that sort of thing. Four
0: generations through my family so far.
2: Um, you know, and look, just let's talk about that one for example. Um, I've had so many mums and and parents that says they weren't a believer, they were a secular person before They, You know, they're in the mindset, well, hey, look, um, you know, are we running out of time? No, you're good. Um, They will say, look, you know, um, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. um, But, like, we like our children to have a choice. Hmm. And so they will buy the Bible stories. Often they'll start in the health and then they'll continue to the Bible stories and they'll read them to their kids. And I've had so many people say, look, I accepted Jesus just through reading the Bible stories because they're just simple, they're basic, and for someone who's never had a faith before, they speak hope into life.
0: That's interesting because those Bible stories are written for children. I often, when I'm meeting somebody who is becoming a Christian and has no background in faith, I often recommend them, look, just go and get the Bible stories by uh, Arthur Maxwell and just read those. Yeah, They are easy to read. They're not complicated. They are not childish, even though they're written for children. And if you want to be able to answer the quizzes here on Faith FM, just uh, get a hold of a set of those Bible stories and go read them.
2: Yeah, so that's one way you can do it. There's another way where anyone can do it. Look, uh, just over the last couple of months, uh, using sanitized hands, of course, um, 400,000 of these tracks have gone out Um, it's the
0: coronavirus versus your immune system track yes and spin letter
1: boxing
2: yeah Mm. look when people during during the stage three stage four might be different the stage three lockdown um many people just using sanitized hands when they're exercising just pop them in the box you can speak hope there's sharing books uh, um that people can share with their neighbors and their friends so there's so many different ways you can do it
0: so you don't have to to deal with the pressure of selling if you feel that that is too much for
2: you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Just share it. Be a friend and just have something. Listen to people's needs and just have something always with you. Now, these fit in your pocket, which is great. Um, when I go on holidays, I like to take them with me and just to, to leave around, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I know a lot of senior people will take sharing books and they travel in the caravan parks and, and they'll leave them in the caravan parks and that sort of thing.
0: And this coronavirus and your immune system, when we first saw it came out, we thought, oh, well, this will be relevant for the next month. <laughs> now we know it's going to be relevant for the next 18 months. Who knows how long? And so, yeah, let's get these things and let us, let's get as many of them out as we possibly can. Unfortunately, we have run out of time this time. We've uh, gone into a bit of extra time there, Brenton, but uh, really appreciate what you've got to share with us. If you'd like to share some coronavirus and your immune system tracks, then give us a call here on one 324 843 or text us on 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, very good. Uh, It is now time for... Question of the Day. Question of the day today, Minnie, is...
1: Why does God use symbols and isn't just explicit? In prophecy. In prophecy.
0: Yes, so you're going to find particularly your apocalyptic prophecy is going to be full, rich with symbols. The question is why. Okay, so the first uh, part of this answer, and there are a number of different aspects to this answer, the first part comes down to uh, the reason that you would write any kind of message in code. Mm -hmm. Why would you write a message in code? The answer is you want to protect the authenticity of that message Mm. between yourself and the receiver and not have that message available to people who are not the receiver.
1: This makes sense.
0: Okay, now think about some of what the Bible has prophesied down through history. The Bible has prophesied about superpowers, world superpowers, in both the political and the religious sphere. Mm -hmm. Now let's say that they had not written the prophecy in symbols, then you have uh, institutions and nations that at times throughout history have been big enough to completely get rid of the Word of God altogether off the earth and would have a very strong agenda to do so
1: if, they, if they, were in it.
0: they had specifically been pointed out. Mm. Okay, so if you look at the Dark Ages and you see what's taking place during the Dark Ages, you find that you know the church of the Dark Ages had a very strong agenda to get rid of the Word of God anymore. Imagine how much stronger that agenda would have been if the Bible had specifically named them. Yes. Okay, so the first thing that it does is it protects and it preserves the Word of God, particularly those... Uh, particularly apocalyptic prophecies. When it comes to history, that's no big deal. It just writes it down. But when you're talking about the future, that's when the symbols come in because that's when you need to bring those symbols in. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is this. I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, And this was true about 10 years ago. It's probably still true. I haven't looked it up recently. But the single most valuable single item in the world. So you're going to go out and you're going to buy just one item. But you're going to say, I'm going to buy the most valuable item that there is. Do you know what that is? I'm getting blank stares. It is a symbol. The most valuable item in the world today is a symbol. What? Yes.
1: <laughs> Why so? It's
0: a Coca-Cola symbol. If you want to buy one thing, the most expensive thing that there is that you can buy is the Coca-Cola symbol. Oh, now I'm hoping and praying that one day um, that will be a symbol of good clean water. But you know, maybe <laughs> no, things have changed. No. But you see what I'm saying?
1: I do. Yes. It's a
0: symbol, and it's because of what that symbol communicates. Mm-hmm. And you've got one symbol, but it communicates so much. It communicates information. It communicates emotions. It communicates taste. It communicates, you know, all kinds of things. So. Symbols are a very, very powerful form of communication because of the value, the perceived value in a symbol. Uh, It's interesting, the two most powerful symbols that you can't buy, but the single most powerful symbol, the single most powerful brand that there is in the world today is the cross. Yeah. Now think about this. The second most, most powerful symbol in the world is the swastika. Oh ah, both of those are versions of the cross and both of them are associated with the death of Jews. Ooh, mm. think about that. Okay, but those, are, those are very, very powerful. All right, so those are um, some, some symbols here, uh, some, some thoughts about symbols. The next thing is that a symbol is very compact. In one symbol, you can have all of the information in an entire book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so yes. you look at the book of Revelation, for instance, it's 22 chapters long. If you were to write that out longhand, Massive. That would be bigger than the Bible itself, but by putting it in symbols, you fit it all into just twenty-two chapters. And finally, symbols grab your attention in a way that nothing else does. Mm, you you know, get think curious about, about it. Think no? about the uh, uh, the Dan Brown series or the National Treasure series, or you know any any ch- children's uh, program where it's a treasure hunt. Symbols are a treasure hunt, and God is grabbing our attention.
1: I love that. Yes. That's cool.
0: So there's a whole bunch of reasons we could talk about more, but we are out of time. As to why God writes end time apocalyptic prophecy in symbols.
1: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on
2: Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.